1: Three, two, one. welcome back to episode 54, 54, 54 of the have we made it yet podcast it is the podcast where two creatives talk about the process of making it and sometimes if they are lucky enough we also get guests i know you probably can't see because we kind of switched the formatting of this podcast but there is a third panel which you will see there will be a third person in this podcast today like i am always i am joined by the amazing co-host right there introduce yourself my man
2: I am Josh Yang, comedian, uh podcaster. Um I, I don't know why I I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm being put on the spot, but we've done this for forever now it seems. But um yes, uh Josh Yang, co-host, comedian and uh very happy to be here. Thank thank you Lucas for continuously continuingly to be my uh, co-host and uh and uh yeah. That's me. <laughs>
1: And, yeah we're we're done this 54 times plus um and i am lucas ing the actor portion of this podcast and as we start with every episode though josh i know you do have some big news um i don't want to put you on the spot again but as we start off with every episode mr josh yang have you made it yet i
2: mean you should put me on the spot because if we're not on the spot right now then um Why why are we, why are we here? Um, But basically, no, I have it, but you know what? It feels, it feels closer because finally after a year and three months, my comedy set that I filmed at uh, the CBC Glen Gould theater is being released or sorry, is, is not the correct tense. It is out there. Uh, is being is not is being it is out there now so you you know what everybody listening go and take a look at my fresh rice comedy set it's called josh yang is the voice of the modern asian family and uh it's it's six minutes and 45 seconds of pure josh monotone glory so uh it's finally out there it looks beautiful I'm super happy to be able to share it with everybody. Uh, so yeah, after you listen to this, to this, uh, go go take a look at that, and uh, that's making me feel like I'm one inch closer, I'm one inch closer, I'm one foot closer uh-huh. to uh, to making it, Lucas. And um, yeah, yeah, there's a there was actually another another weird situation. I was well not weird, but I was put in a a little awkward situation like. As part of the PR for the Fresh Rice Comedy Showcase, um we actually got a interview request from Omni TV for their for their uh focused Mandarin like nightly news uh mm-hmm. segment. So one of their reporters interviewed um me, uh Vong Show, and then another uh, Cantonese speaking uh comedian, Tim uh Tim Wong, I believe. Nice. Oh oh my gosh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, yeah, so we were interviewed and it was I was interviewed in Mandarin, which is um, which was a stretch for me because I'm not the best at Mandarin. I, I think my Mandarin is just the max is like i stumble through it when I speak with my parents, but I had to be put on the spot here and speak Mandarin for most of it. I still haven't watched it, but uh, it was pretty nerve wracking to have to to have to speak. Do an interview. My first essentially TV interview uh, in Mandarin, which is, uh-huh. which is I guess another step. It's another step um, to making it per yeah. se. But um, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of uh, forty-eight hours uh, that it's happened. But uh, yeah, did everyone have to uh, get interviewed in their like, I guess native language? Not well, not necessarily. But like, we did uh, try to put as many opportunities out there. So there were mm-hmm. um, a couple of uh, Filipino interviews that were done by uh, the uh, Filipino performers. And mm-hmm. I think they they might have spoken uh, Tagalog. Oh, cool. um, But um, Tagalog, I think that's the yeah, better yeah. pronunciation, Tagalog. <laughs> um, and uh yeah then we had oh yeah one of uh, our performers anto Chan, did a french interview so it was kind of oh. like we we tried to put as many uh, opportunities out there and yeah stupid me i put in i can speak mandarin but really i i put in there it's like can speak a little bit not that great can only speak to parents mm-hmm. uh but then it just ends up being it's like okay great now you just have to do an interview with <laughs> with a mandarin reporter and it was it was kind of embarrassing because Throughout it, I, I had to stop my answers because I was thinking of what the terms were. Mm-hmm. And then the reporter had to, like I, and then I said it in English, and then the reporter gave me the, the Mandarin terms back to me. And then I repeated my answer using those Mandarin terms. So it was really a collaborative process.
1: Oh, thank God it wasn't live
2: then. No, it wasn't. It was pre-taped. Oh, Jesus. Oh, if, it was, if it was live, that would have been, I think I would have just sunk right into <laughs> my chair off screen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so a lot has happened considering for the last like six months, nothing has really been happening. So happy to share that. Happy to share that. Awesome. Uh, But finally, enough about me. Hey, Lucas, have you made it yet?
1: No. And the reason, uh, I mean, there's no reason. Um, So I'm following this other person. Oh, actually, our previous guest, uh, Janice Mendez. Right, had yeah. had a great post that was basically talking about like taking control of your acting career, um, and and really you know taking initiative. Um, so based on her advice, I'm having like uh, monthly check ins with my agent. Mm. Before I used to be just be like, you know, the agent's busy; they probably don't have time for me. So I'd always be like too afraid to ask for things right. and see like how things are going. But no, I have a check in this week with my agent now based on her advice you just really gotta like take control of what you actually want Mm -hmm. because in this in the acting game especially like you got to be self-motivated it's not like some kind of nine-to-five job which you can just arrive there and do your thing and then leave you have to continually do it continually um so have not made it yet but at least i have some new insights now yeah, I do have a question that I I was thinking mm-hmm. about this recently. Is like, I know
2: you're going for more like auditions and stuff like that, but like, mm-hmm. are you still are you open to doing like modeling gigs? Have you done uh, many modeling gigs, or or is that even something you you brought up with your agent to to potentially get for you?
1: I've I've never even thought about that
2: really oh because i i like i was literally just thinking is like what's another is like modeling why hasn't lucas uh done a, i may maybe more model like if you get like modeling gigs maybe that's another way of like
1: getting your your face out there yeah well you heard it here first folks josh thinks i can potentially do some modeling I'll, i'll i'll consider that i mean i've never even thought about it but oh interesting thanks
2: yeah, no. I'm happy to put that idea in in your head.
1: Thank you. Now I gotta feel. I gotta look. I gotta look good. It's hot boy summer right now, man. I've got to train yeah, it? It's a, up. It's, a, it's a hot vaccine summer. It's yeah, uh, man. It's a, back, it's hot. S- speaking of, um, actually, no, there was no segue into this, but I really did want to introduce our next guest that we have here. Um, are you ready, Josh? I am. Hit me. Okay. All right, so I remember seeing our next guest back in my church days. I saw him playing the violin and was blown away by his smoothness and tone. I'm not sure if tone is the right word when playing the violin, but it was it was crisp. It was really, really smooth. Um, a few years wore on, and then I saw him in the liner notes of one of my favorite indie bands in Medias Res. Furthermore, I saw them play live with him and man, his musicianship, is second to none and it added to the group's dynamic. And I just, ne- I just never really saw like rock music combined with like violin and stringed instruments all together in one. So he was one of the first persons who introduced me to that type of sound and collaboration. Uh, we've actually collaborated before him and I when he helped me record one of my own tracks and his coaching and prowess around the recording equipment made me feel right at home. Our next guest scored for numerous TV shows like A Homecoming for the Holidays and the feature film, My Little Pony, the movie. He's recorded with many groups and bands, and his most recent collaboration is on Sam Raimi's 50 States of Fright. Please give it up for the amazing Caleb Chan. Hey.
3: What up, what up? Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, good to see you guys.
1: Awesome, man. As we start off with every episode, though, Caleb, have you made it yet?
3: Um, yes. So the the big question, I guess it was nice to hear your answers, because I, I'm going to piggyback on some, some of that stuff. But um, uh, I, I tend to split this up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think for practical reasons, probably, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm making a a living making music and um, able to support my family. Um, Like, and and, you know, what more can I ask for besides that? And so I think on that level, probably, yeah, I'm good. You know, I've always felt that, you know, if I can do that, I've I've achieved something or uh, be content with that. And if if that's all that it is, then I'm good with that too. Um, So yeah, uh, on that level, sure. I I think I've made something. Maybe on the artistic level, the creative level, uh, maybe I've made a lot of stuff, but have I made it? Uh, I don't know if I've made it yet, um, but I've, I've made some stuff and some of it is good, some of it is not good. Uh, and of, of that variety, there's probably more of the latter than the former. Oh. Uh, so hopefully I, I keep making stuff. I think that's, that's probably as, as best as I can put it. Uh, and, and hopefully I'll start to sway the balance towards making more decent stuff than than stuff that isn't uh, and so yeah I guess in that sense I'll, 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 I'll be making it um, and it uh, meaning just stuff in general and, and music and trying to be creative uh, but yeah I, I do want to caveat a couple of things though in, in the intro mm-hmm. um, so that uh, with, with IMR um, uh, yeah you you saw that you probably saw that show at St. James right like, yeah at that, a church yeah yeah so that so my brother was on that too Um, so Brian was actually my inroads with that band, um, uh, uh, Brian playing cello. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, you probably have not seen us, uh, kind of do the violin or strings with the rock thing. Um, but Mm -hmm. I got to credit my brother for bringing me into that too, um, for, for, uh, you know, bringing me into the fold, so to speak. Nice. Um, So yeah, I will caveat some of that, um, but yeah, I I guess that's uh, hope that does that satisfy, Is that, is that decent answer is good enough?
2: I mean, like, hey, however, I think because making it is already so subjective and so personal uh, type of goal, type of uh, de- description for everybody, I think everybody's, even everybody's interpretation of it is sufficient. It It, it is what you see it. Um, and, and I think it is interesting that you said is like, you, there is still something like a motivation there that it, it sounds like there's still that it thing that you want, that you want to do artistically. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to nail in on that a little bit more. It's like what, what would you say is that it thing artistically that you, you want to take on like a challenge? I
3: just let this answer as yes. And then just like quit it. Right there, right? <laughs> like, the
2: oh, we wouldn't, um, we wouldn't have accepted just a, a standard. <laughs> yes. Like we would have, we would have like dug deep
3: oh yeah that that wouldn't cut it uh yeah, but in terms of i guess artistically um I don't know uh like you guys know it's it's always a balance between the work that you get or you you're um you know grateful enough to partake in and kind of your own endeavors i don't and I don't really know much about you know being a comedian or acting um i I guess I'd be very poor at both uh but from a musical standpoint um we're always like, uh, these days I'm mostly a composer. Uh, I score um, to film and, and TV and picture. Um, and on that standpoint, uh, there's always a collaborative effort that we take with, um, with the producers, directors, or the powers that be. And, and to that end, um, you know, there's a bit of ownership that, of, of the music that's not mine. It's, it's, it's a collaborative effort with, with a lot of people. Um, and so we can be creative, but it's always within a certain amount of bounds. Um, and, and, and I think having that in mind, um, the work that I do for TV and film, I can be really proud of, but sometimes it doesn't fit into what I do, like say, if I was just in a room by myself and, and you know, up to my own devices, um, that, those, those things could look very different. Um, so when I say like, have I made it yet? I probably haven't made enough of that, the stuff that you know, I've been in the room to, to do on my own. Uh, it's hard to cut by, you know, the time these days uh, with production schedules. But, but I, I like to eventually uh, see what happens. Um, you know, it, it's always a dance of, of uh, being able to do both. Um, and some people can do do it really well. Uh, I, I don't think I have the capacity to do both at the same time really well. So um, I think it'll it'll be one of those things where I gotta block some time off or something like that.
1: Is there a, a group or, um, or composer that you'd love to collaborate with one day as your? um
3: I, I don't know. Like, Lucas, you, you're down for some tunes, some more tunes, round two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can, the remote thing is up and running now. Like since we're in different cities, but you know, who cares? Um, but like, I, I work a lot with my brother now, uh, Brian, I, I mentioned earlier. So we write everything together. Um, and to, to that end, I think that's always been uh, a bit of, um, a bucket list for for us both to work together um, really tightly mm-hmm. um, in terms of is there people that uh, like a bucket bucket list type thing where I need to collaborate with someone um, no I don't think so I think the stuff that I really want to do would uh, I would probably see if I can bring about those things myself first like or at least have a concept um, and then whoever might fit into that uh, concept kind of have people around that 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 are better than me at fulfilling those things Um, (laughs) in in terms of like if I was just purely speaking artistically uh, but I do you know like I'm a bit of a lone wolf I think my brother would say that too Uh, I I do sometimes like to be in my own room and just do my own thing when when it comes down to it so I don't know collaborate with myself I guess (laughs) is that that how you write Josh like you write a lot of material right like is you you collaborate or you like to just kind of stick to your own
2: well i mean like i definitely feel like it's um there's there's like a 50 50 process to it like you obviously you would write the jokes through your own inspiration like what what kind of ideas you come up with um like through your daily life or something just might pop in your head but you for stand-up comedies like you don't really know if it's good until you really put it in front of an audience and because of that whereas like musicians like they they can just go off and like hide out in a cabin for like a month and create music just through an internal drive. But like comedians, they they're nothing without an audience because they don't know if what they think is funny is actually funny. And then based on the audience's reaction, that's always a collaborative process because the the audience will tell you what is funny and what works and what doesn't work. And it's always that trial and error process. So like, there's always that uh, you write it yourself, but then you always have to put it in front of an audience and then uh it's always fun to work with other comedians because then they'll give you tags or uh, additional lines here and there they make might make suggestions on what could be um, a good change in like uh the structure of the joke so i think for stand-up comedy it is much more collaborative like you're forced to be more collaborative right. than it right. is with music i feel like music is very almost like a more pure inspirational inspirationally driven type of endeavor
3: Right. Like we have the option of not giving a shit if we wanted to. Right. Yeah. Like, that, that's what you saying, Yeah. Right. That's true. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess if it's purely in a cabin type situation, yeah, I, I would agree with that, but, um, you'd be fired pretty quick if, if you walked into a studio and, and or hired to work on a show and uh, you had that same attitude, I, I'm sure uh, it wouldn't be very long until yeah. they find somebody else who's more collaborative.
2: That That is interesting because like scoring, like scoring is definitely a, a more like niche type of market or profession for musicians. Cause like musicians that they, if they want to just be their own act, they can do that whole thing, like hide out for a little bit and just create the music themselves. Um, but you're right. The collaborative process needs to be there. Cause you're, you're scoring a film that has a whole bunch of different writers, um, performances, directors, everybody has like a different take to it. Yeah. Um, how would you say like, as a composer, as somebody who has to score a film, like how do you manage all those different types of like influences or themes into something that might, you know, make what's on the screen pop even more?
3: Um, yeah, uh, I guess it, it, it changes from project to project, depending on the personnel and the type of mm-hmm. collaboration that you might receive. Um, I don't have a, like a theory of everything type uh, like E equals MC squared type situation where it fits every situation. Um, I think it's a little bit more specific than that. Um, but, you know, a general practice is that, like, if you can get thematic stuff going, that's always good for a film. Like it, um, uh, or maybe not always, like very, very often, it, more often than not, it's it's a strength uh, for something to have some sort of material that, that you can spin off of that creates a narrative around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you're right that's that's often the place that we would start and um, but before that it's the situation where you kind of read the room um, you kind of feel out who uh, who kind of holds the vision and you try to adhere to that uh, as best as we can off the bat I mean sometimes we don't have a lot of time um, and sometimes mm-hmm. uh, walk into a situation where there's already a very uh, big expectation of what they want from the composer um, and and so in those cases it's really you're just doing the job you're really just doing what what the expectations are and they, they're looking to you to fill that um, but in other situations where it could be a little bit more like hey we don't really know what we want like so help us think of something and in those cases you there's a bit more weight to pull on our end um, but I think by and large um, most people have an idea of what they want already uh, very few people have just a blank slate um, mm. so, so yeah so kind of feeling out who who in that room kind of has that cohesive thought and how we can fit into that. That becomes kind of the game. Yeah. Um, but it's not always easy. It's, it's harder. I mean, there's politics involved, yeah. um, there's a bit of uh, creative struggles that, that uh, are beyond our pay grade, you know, that happens at a conceptual level that we don't have, you know, we're not privy to sometimes. Yeah. Although we, we try to feel that out. Like, like you guys, like, you know, it's, it's hard to, hard to say, um, you know, you can't, Always pinpoint it, uh, but when it's there, it, it could be uh, magical, for lack of a better word.
2: Yeah, is there <laughs> is there like a specific prep? Do you have like a preference? Then do you do you want to work in a project where like there is much more definitive uh, a theme or a definitive ask for you as a composer, or do you want to do you feel more engaged in a project where it's like we want your input in how we build the end right. art piece?
3: Uh yeah it depends too like it depends on i think with film um or tv in general it it, kind of comes down to the story really Mm. Uh, and sometimes you'll get a really great story with no musical direction Uh, those are fun because at, at least you have a great story to work with um but a lot of what's out there it's uh really crappy stories but with a very clear direction of what they want from you so you end up just doing it you know and and obviously that uh that isn't the best but for practical reasons it's 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 really great um that that stuff is out there because that's the stuff that you know a lot of us um are able to support families with uh, just like the barrage of content but um they all kind of fit within the same expectations and you you kind of can feel those out and and hammer it so so I, i don't i don't look down on those at all um as an artistic preference probably less of those would be better um more the ones where you get a chance to kind of spin things from the start like those are those are obviously more creatively rewarding Um, but it's also the onus is kind of on you right like if you if you if you don't make something good then um, and then you you kind of come away with feeling that you might have missed the mark on the on the project or or maybe not done as good as you could have which is always a possibility you know that's always I
1: I did want to ask you about that point because a a big portion of uh, of your work is not only, of course, creating music, but also pitching ideas and pitching to directors and producers what your vision is for yeah. the uh, for the score and everything like that. Are there any techniques that you have in terms of pitching and and uh, and showing your ideas so that it's a bit more accepting to the people that you're working mm-hmm. with?
3: Like salesman type, uh, yeah, I mean, art salesman type. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I don't think. In fact, I don't, I don't know if that's a forte of mine even. Um, I I tend to I really try and let my music come first. Mm. You know, if, if people receive it, um, then there there must be something to it. And I think like both Brian and I, as we embark on all these projects, uh, we we do less talking and more showing because it tends to work out a little better than uh, than than we might even ex- expect sometimes. And so the the music uh, hope precedes us in that way. Um, if it comes down to uh, really like nitty gritty type of note situations where you present something and they're giving back notes, uh, now you you can have a chance to sell it um, because you've already written something. They, they might call back and be like, hey, can we change something here and there? If you don't think it makes sense, then we can present a case. Um, but we always like hook on the cases to um, the characters or the emotion behind a reason. Because people mm-hmm. don't really like directors and producers uh, not all of them have musical language. And so you kind of need to learn what kind of language you're speaking. Maybe yeah. it's metaphorical. Maybe it's very practical. Um, maybe they're, they have a great ear for uh, how the levels of music and dialogue come together, but, um, but don't, they don't have a way of expressing it. So, uh, but more often than not, it comes down to an emotional level of things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what um, is more effective when you're talking to people at that emotional level in terms of the story and then kind of bring the music in uh, there after the fact as it, it, does it enhance or does it take away are we giving it more nuance um, are we kind of amplifying things that are already there um, so when we talk about it from that standpoint and then bring the music in it usually a little bit more successful that way um, awesome. all, ultimately it's like you know it's their baby uh, for a lot of these things so yeah. um, they just want you to know that you understand what what's in their head and once mm-hmm. you get that level down, there's a lot of uh, forgiveness. And, and uh, there's a lot of solutions to a, to a scene. You yeah. know, nobody will score the same thing, or no two composers will score the same scene the same way. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just the understanding. If that's established, there's, there can be a lot, a lot of anyway.
1: Yeah. In that case, then, do you have to read the script first before you formulate some ideas of how you want the uh, OST to sound?
3: Um, not always, and sometimes we don't get the luxury of scripts. Um, oh wow! It, it, well, there's no time for, for instance, like if it's a TV series, um, I would I'd be hard pressed to know that composers read, are able to even come back scripts because mm. it's so quick from like shoot to to like scripts to shoot to edit. You know, that, they all might just like you know co- like collide together, and then pretty soon after that they're in post, and that's when we come in. And usually we, we don't really um, like to score too much until we've got something that's locked so that the music that we're doing it, uh, to the picture is, is more or less in, in its final form. Um, so yeah, we don't get the luxury of scripts all the time. Um, once in a while, they'll, they'll come by and, and we'll re- read it through uh, mm-hmm. before we see the picture. Um, but in a, in a series situation, like once you get the few, first few episodes in, like you kind of you know the stylistic uh, sensibilities right are you like it's kind of on you to figure that out um yeah they shouldn't need to keep giving you scripts it's like come on you've like scored five of these like it's it's pretty obvious like where things are going um yeah. and, and if, if anything uh, after that it's just discussions if things aren't mm-hmm. clear Plotting sessions that's what uh, those are for
1: nice i hear you um of course we talk we talk about like the more serious things and everything like that do you have any Musical guilty pleasures, Caleb. Oh,
3: guilty pleasures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like to play a lot of things poorly. Uh, <laughs> like, like I think that that happens to be like okay. So you brought a violin before, and and uh, in, in my heart, hearing you say that, I feel um, I feel a bit shameful oh. because I'm not a great violin player anymore. Um, I I would not market myself as that. Um, I, I'm much more like behind the desk now, uh, kind of behind the scenes composing. And I I'd much more rather give the things that I right to a, a more legitimate uh, violinist who, who can pull things off more. Um, I think my strengths are more like in, in my mind uh, rather than like through through my, my fingers. So, so that's why I, like, I, I, I love picking up instruments um, and just getting to like bottom, like baseline with them because I don't think like, I don't have the time anymore to, to excel at one thing. Uh, you know, some people practice like six hours a day. So I, I can't, I can't compete with that. And, you know, they deserve to be much better. Um, so I ended up being just like shitty at a lot of things. And I think that's awesome for me. Works great for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd like to live in that space. So that's, I guess, guilty pleasure. Maybe that's it. <laughs> um, I,
1: I do watch your Instagram stories a lot, man. And like the way that you do play everything from the xylophone to, of course, the ukulele to guitar to to the bass it's just a mishmash that sounds incredible all put together so it doesn't sound shitty to me at yeah
3: all. it's like I, i'm really good at playing within my means so um mm-hmm. if you take one of those things and solo them it, it sounds yeah it's not there yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> I would never i would never do that um <laughs> has to work together that's the, that's the thing
1: nice nice
3: um Wait, I, not, I, lucas last time last time we spoke you weren't uh, you weren't even acting yet, so sorry. I wanted to catch up with you a little bit because yeah. you know, we go way back, but uh, we we lost touch a little bit over the years. Uh-huh. Um, and like the last time we really talked, like you weren't really acting yet at that point, right?
1: Yeah, right. no, it was, uh, dude. I, I'm actually writing a screenplay about it right now, entitled "How to Deal with Disappointment." That's my screenplay oh, sorry, right now.
3: Alright, you know, cast yourself, like, <laughs> bodying Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's like a a Aziz sorry, Master of None kind of thing. Um, But no, it's just like, it's just constant. This city, Toronto is an interesting place, as I'm sure you know. Um, But it's just constant companies going in and out and and companies falling under. And then I was like, you know, the volatility of this business is just way too crazy. So might as well just do something for me. And I've always wanted to be working in front of the camera. So screw it, man. Might as well just do it. Instead of playing it safe, you know,
3: right? Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, It's like throwing a hail mary for yourself. You're gonna catch your own your own hail mary. That's what. That's how insane that is.
1: I know, and, and we do talk about this in this podcast too about the industry that we're in and how it, you know, it, it is incredibly volatile. Uh, Josh, of course, we know your story too, but I also did want to ask you too, Caleb. Uh, we don't work in a classic nine to five job with. With you know securities and life and everything and stability, how have you managed to deal with the volatility of your business?
3: Um, so the pandemic, right? So that's mm-hmm. like a, that was a big thing for a lot of us. Uh, yeah. I, I so I always ask like when questions like that come, um, uh-huh. is this for like a like a practical question or is this like more of a uh, like creative? Because I I for me it's always a little bit uh-huh. separated. I think I can keep myself quite content. Uh, with practical answers and 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 sometimes like, but some people really need to be like creatively satiated all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I I keep a distance between those two things. Interesting. Um, so like, okay. I guess like from a practical level, the vol- volatility, mm-hmm. like kind of like manage your money. Like I don't know, I'm super. Maybe it's just my Asianness that like coming up. Like, if you manage your money though, like you can actually go a very long way um, with with being stability. Um, and I think like we don't really talk about that as, as creative people, because usually we don't, um, aren't, aren't equipped with those tools Mm -hmm. or, you know, or, or business mind. Like, I think a lot of that we kind of just have to learn on the fly. Um, but I think like I've, I've earned very little, I've earned uh, a lot more and and I've come right back down. Um, but through it all, like it, it, hasn't felt that, um, I think maybe I was fortunate enough to, to always have some semblance of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think financially at least, uh, I think a, a good idea of how how volatile the the industry really is and setting yourself up um, to take on those dips. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a, a big practical part of the puzzle, you know, that, mm-hmm. that creates a bit of mental stability. And then from there, it's like, you're more mentally stable, you're more emotionally stable, and then you can kind of grind it out a little bit more um, yeah without maybe having the, the stress of like your entire life on whether or not the next paycheck will come in um, yeah. so I think learning to set those things up for yourself and um, being within your means like maybe when 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 it's flowing like take some away and just like keep it for when it ebbs you know mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a pretty it seems very basic but it's surprisingly a little difficult to do um, especially for for maybe creative people for, for some reason yeah. um, yeah, if on that level I don't know if that's like part of the question but like I feel like that's a fairly important because it deals with like, like mental stress and emotional stress at the end of the day that's what mm-hmm. the burden comes down to right I'm sure you guys know like there's there's an enormous amount of pressure on even I think probably comes from ourselves um, to begin with like that that inner pressure um, and if we can check off a little bit of things that um, add to that pressure like finances maybe that, that that gets us in a better headspace
0: to
2: tackle the rest yeah yeah i mean i i agree like i think a lot of what we've talked about on this podcast has been really trying to give a sense to the listeners what the expectation is realistically pursuing these type of of careers whether it's acting music uh comedy is like everybody is initially introduced to like the the top earners because that's what you're m- most easily exposed to but you don't really see how those top earners big stars like you know had to grind in the beginning to get to where they are for like you know actors you need you need a some kind of day job that's also kind of flexible so you can do auditions same thing yeah. with like comedy as well it's like if you go into it thinking like that's going to be everything in the beginning like then you're you're setting yourself up to be in a tough situation
3: yeah so there's, yeah totally.
2: there's no money in it and like i think for composing and scoring is is even less information out there in my mind because I, I just can't imagine like what that initial process is like how do you even get a, a foot in the door to something so specific that seems like it's such a small community
3: yeah i i mean like I, i've been getting this question a lot too for whatever reason um, i think for a lot of us uh like a musician as a general pile um, when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden all that live stuff went away, um, people were kind of panicking and, and maybe some people thought, hey, if I could write music and maybe produce it, uh, maybe I'd, I'd jump over the pond and, um, and make a, a career, at least a temporary one out of that. But it really isn't as easy as, as doing mm-hmm. that. Like it, it's a completely different uh, industry unless you're really set um, in the indie route then maybe like your friend would be a filmmaker, uh, they've heard some of your your tracks or, or like your songs and, and then it, it would be a natural relationship that way. Like a lot of people get really good doing that, um, but it's still hard. really hard to make a like a decent living. Um, so, I mean, for a lot of us, it's kind of, you kind of need to open the doors up for yourself. Um, and once you start doing that, uh, you I think we'll realize that there are communities out there that are quite supportive. Um, like say in Canada, we've had, the Screen Composers Guild, run for a while. Um, in Vancouver, there's the, the Vancouver Post Association, which kind of brings people from all areas of the, uh, the post industry together, including like editors and producers and composers and um, colorists and all those people. And so there, there are networks out there, but it all kind of stems from, um, you, like nobody's going to know about you in, until you take the initiative to put yourself out there. And I yeah. was like, a, I remember that being, such a gross feeling like internally, I'm like, I hate doing this. Like I, yeah. like, I don't spend much of my time networking. Um, and I, and I, I, don't think I have the personality for that either. Uh, but it is in the beginning, it was a ton of cold calls and, and emails mm-hmm. like, doing research. Like, we, we went down the list of who are, who, who are the industry or who are the studios in town and who runs those and who would hire. And then we checked off names based on that. And um, we were thankful that you know um, we had people that are kind of on our side to, to pull us through. It's always a bit of luck involved, or a lot of luck involved, uh, right place at the right time situations. But but it, it, it does come back to um, work on the craft, uh, make sure the craft is there so that when you're putting yourself out, you never know when people might uh, clue into to needing certain things. Like we've had people that contact us two years after we've emailed them. And be like, hey, oh, wow. remember that we all like we kind of want something or like months like very rarely would you get something like on the dime like like immediately right it's not like people don't work like that people aren't just waiting around for you to walk through the door and be like okay that's our guy like nobody i don't think that's ever happened in my life um more more often than not it's been like months of radio silence and then and then for some reason they decide to hit you back and 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 then from there there you go like and that's kind of like i like doing it that way because it really puts um, a lot of emphasis on the craft, like the craft Mm -hmm. to be there. And for me, it's like, that's always been the most important thing. Like if if my music sucks. Like why would people, why would I hire me? Like, I wouldn't hire me. It sucks. Um, And so essentially it comes down to, you know, making that like, like the pinnacle um, and then backing it up by, uh, by just being slightly entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. um, doing yourself a service once you, once you have something to be proud of and then, um, are able to put yourself out. But I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's, there are paths out there that, that uh, probably I didn't take that would have been more effective for other people. Uh, that's just the one that we just ended up doing, um, and it kind of worked. You never know how long it's going to work for, but it sort of worked for us. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. I did want to also ask you, since you touched upon it, um, how has COVID and the lockdown impacted your writing?
3: Uh, impacted the writing? Oh, so you're talking about, like, strictly on a creative level.
1: Yeah, on a creative level. I
3: yeah. think I write now. It's just so sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm actually. Uh, I mean, I'll... so when COVID hit, um, we huh. were on the last leg of production um, for Fifty States of Fright, which was the uh, uh, series that Sam Raimi had executive produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and by then, all the sh- uh, like all the shooting was done, so they were purely in post. So we kept that going for. For another month or so until uh, until we ran dry. There's nothing, ha- no live action. Uh, mm-hmm. People were scrambling. and so at that point, um, uh, Brian and I decided that we would uh, make an album just just in our own studios uh, separately, and then um, kind of see what we write from from all the turmoil that's going around the world. Mm-hmm. And we thought maybe uh, at that time it'd be nice to do something more med- meditative, like longer form. Um, no strong melodies. It was kind of more just there's so much anxiety at that time that I think that was something that was needed. Um, and then so we, we did that. Uh, we actually probably put it out in like two, three weeks and just like an album that, that was purely instrumental um, and string based. Um, and then, and then that, that sort of writing would kind of set us into a tone of, you know, like maybe it's a rest Period of rest, uh, and and for a lot of people, like you know, high emotions. But if that could have helped, maybe for them to find a little bit of peace or rest, uh, that that would have been just great for us.
1: Yeah, you're you're referring to good weather, right?
3: Yeah, that's the album. Yeah, and we just had like a, we just had a, you know, we just put out another name like Hayes, which is our our Chinese middle name, um, or common name, common character. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I, Brian and I we just used Haze as, as our, our uh, band. We're not a band, we're just two dudes. It's very low key. It's like yeah, we, we're not a we don't perform, we don't tour. It's just uh, just the two of us. Um and so yeah, so from a creative level, that's what it did right off the bat. But you know, soon afterwards, like probably half a year after that, um, the hallmarks picked up. Um, so we're back into that mode where, you know, we're we're doing something that's very, very much within a bound like a, a very tight boundaries of their brand um, and so creatively we just adhere to that um, and then we picked up some animation series um, as well uh, which which are the ones that we're working on because people figured you know um, you can move computers back home you don't need like a whole crew of people so um, animation's actually been really strong uh, Vancouver being a, a pretty good hub for that in Canada uh, in Toronto as well I guess yeah um, so we've yeah we've we've been working on cartoons for for um, a few months now, um, so yeah, it, we can't let pandemic affect the way that cartoon music goes. People still need, you know, uppity up, uh, you know, cartoon music. Um, mm-hmm. But we try to, you know, like we try to be serious about it too. Like it, it's, it, we, we take it very seriously. The animations and nice. Um, and so, yeah, that we. So writing wise, it doesn't sound like it's been affected by pandemic, um, and we just do what what it needs. Uh, essentially, yeah. What what have you guys been doing? Like you guys started this podcast in pandemic, right? Or was this something before
1: you want to take this Josh?
2: Well, I mean like we, so we started talking about this, like the fall before the pandemic hit and we were like going through kind of like the conception and like uh, renting out the equipment and stuff in like January. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to give it a try for like a few episodes uh, and then you know just to make sure we're committed into it uh, and that we have an idea going forward so we we did like five episodes where we were set up at Lucas's place where it looked like we were together and we were going to you know do this kind of you know uh, banter podcast back and forth mm-hmm. uh, and then the pandemic hit like right when we were just yeah. five six episodes in and then we had to switch to this format where it's just zoom zoom calls and and like zoom podcasts essentially and in that sense it's like suddenly our idea of what the podcast was just changed dramatically and we had to adapt to it but at the same time I also think like it's interesting that I don't think we would have been able to interview as many guests or like be able to you know have as many conversations have such a variety of guests as well like manage to like connect with some people that I I knew in my past there's like Uh, I we met a bunch of kind of LA rappers through uh, like while I was a a friend I made on exchange who are in Los Angeles, but it's like without this pandemic situation and suddenly this new medium, this new format being just accepted by everybody. Like everybody creative is like, okay, yeah, now Zoom is a thing now for us. Uh, Everybody's doing interviews on Zoom, so this doesn't feel like it's a it's a weird type of addition. uh, to like different podcasts so it's like for some reason it kind of helped us be able to expand our podcasts and have so many more guests than we thought before because I think before we just thought it's like we gotta ha- somehow create a in-studio atmosphere yeah. and like, like select, find like,
3: like version of
2: yeah, yeah and like find people to come to Lucas's place and then that's yeah. how we would do that podcast essentially it's like now a lot more uh, versatile and like efficient to just have everybody go do these zoom chats zoom things uh and then just get more guests that way so like yeah. we've adapted to it and like i think this podcast is just a, a baby that was born out of that was conceived uh essentially out of the pandemic
3: that's awesome i mean so so if you were to answer uh, as if you were the podcast itself like have you made has the podcast made it like is this the final form
2: I think when we started off, we, I remember we, I made some goals where it was like in the first, um, episode we were like, what, what would we like in a year or so? And I think in a year I was like 500 subscribers on YouTube. This was like no real, um, real conception of how hard it was. And then we realized pretty quickly. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty damn hard to, to do that, um, and generate something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I think once we got down to it at the end of our first series where we did like 52 episodes and interviewed like 39, almost 40 people, I think that it was when we were like, wow, we managed to do this week in and week out and managed to interview this many people for a whole year, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think that in and of itself was, was already an accomplishment. I think like that exceeded what we thought maybe the podcast could be.
3: Yeah, and if anything, it's just, like, you get to talk to people and, and, you know, see what's up with people. And that's, like, more than most of us can say. Like, I don't talk to anybody. I just talk to clients. And, you know, yeah, it's pretty much uh, solitary here. So that's pretty neat that what you guys have built. I do appreciate that, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. And, uh, yeah, to Josh's point, too, I I just can't imagine, like, three people around my dining room table because that's already too many people in a pandemic, but also even – without a pandemic, it's way too tight. So, really grateful for Zoom.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Exactly. Um, I I did want to ask you, there's just this last question here. Um, You know, I'm listening to your tracks and everything like that, that you have on your website and also other things that you've scored. Uh, I hear like, of course, John Williams in there. I also hear like hints of like Johnny Greenwood, like just really eclectic things that you have that I'm sure you've taken influence from. Um, what were some of your earliest influences and how have you carried them to your work in present day?
3: Uh, earliest influences? Yeah. Like when I was a baby, like- Yeah, um, like day one the, kind of stuff. Yeah, the stuff that my parents played then, I guess, it'd be like, uh, it'd probably be class- a, lot of, a ton of classical music, uh, that's, like my whole life for like 20 years um, and then it'd be like hymns maybe hmm. um, although cool. I, I I can't see that being really a part of my um, my professional output like I, I can't work a hymn into a, into the a cartoons that I'm doing like a, not that I've really tried but uh, I don't think it just really works that way um, but maybe that that created a sense of uh, choral writing or texture maybe that that um is ingrained somewhere um we listen to some chinese folk music which is still very much part of me um and and actually like a part of me that i i want to um work on a little bit and understand a little bit more um so that's the part where i haven't made it yet like i haven't i haven't really truly gotten that sense ingrained um where i'd like it to be um but uh yeah those are kind of like the earliest earliest stuff and then um, as you know, like in high school, we ended up doing bands and, and mm-hmm. indie music, like discovering, like you said, Johnny Greenwood, like Radiohead, um, in grade nine, I think, um, and then and then Christopher, you, you guys know Christopher O'Reilly, he's like a piano player, um, classical piano player, but then he covered a whole bunch of Radiohead tunes, oh, cool. um, and that was like the first time I think listening to that, we were like, wow, worlds are like colliding here, like there's like really beautiful, almost like Debussy-esque covers a Radiohead, head mm-hmm. um, and, and that was kind of the impetus for me. Like, you know, things can really um, be a part of each other and, and, and still feel uh, relatively authentic. Um, mm-hmm. And then like Disney movies, you know, that's like so much part of every one of our childhood. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and John Williams, I'm sure like is, continues to be a huge like Harry Potter and um, all, all those movies that we ended up, you know, watching when we, we could understand movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's and a hip hop eventually made its way. in. Um, no, it's... I, I do like making the odd beat here and there. Um, but, uh, but you know, like as a film composer, you kind of like, I, I think my strength is still being everywhere. Like the way I'm at with uh, instruments, mm-hmm. um, I think sensibility wise um, I can pivot or I can, I can kind of absorb a lot of things and make that part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something core in there um but the expression of that can be in like very many different genres and styles and yeah that that used to bother me but it doesn't anymore like i kind of understand that myself
2: but it, it it sounds like there's like a lot of different influences and and from early on you you were you gravitated towards the music musicality and and like probably pursuing something something like that like What, what was one of the main things then that like really pushed you into selecting to, um, pursue composing, like composing specifically, you know, like as a musician, like wanting to maybe like perform or, or, or like be part of a band, but it's like composition and like, not only that, like film composition, TV composition, like what was it about that artistic form that captured your, uh, your drive and like motivation?
3: Yeah, I think it's like a a large part of it was realizing that there are so many people out there that are like so good at playing music Mm. and maybe I'm just not one of them um, or don't have the exact like Lucas, I know you probably see this different way, too, um, because you probably look at at me and and thought I was good at some point, which I probably was. I was probably pretty decent. But Mm -hmm. um, in my mind, I always kind of seen other people in that same light and thought that they were amazing and at the professional level i think if i were to be realistic about myself um i I didn't kind of compare or you know like their guys are just people that are just amazing and it continues to boggle my mind how many there are in this world and just so many of them uh, unfortunately don't get to see the light of day um because they they end up burning out or they choose something else uh but for me i think i had the I think I was lucky to have a bit of um, self-awareness that uh, maybe, maybe I, I uh, maybe I better seek out something else and and um, leave it to the the real pros to play the music. And so that's why I stepped away from performance a little bit. Um, mm. And then from there, it's like uh, the ex- it's it's all about self-expression. I think as an artist, right? And for me, it's like I just found it. I think writing music. Um, so I went off and and wrote music and. Did my, uh, my schooling in Toronto, too, uh, with my postgraduate degrees. And, and then came back here in Vancouver, and the film thing really just, like, it was happenstance. It really just fell in my lap. Hmm. And the more that I think about it, it's like, well, was, that was a lucky stroke of, <laughs> a stroke of luck that I kind of fell into this industry. Um, and then, you know, working for other composers and, and, um, and, and kind of just, like, absorbing the, the art, the craft, um, and then eventually I just made my own way, um, like the, the way that I described. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it suits me probably the best because it's so weird. Like it's so diverse. Like you, you, you could be doing, like I think right before we did the Sam Raimi thing, um, the wh- which is like a horror uh, show, like we, we did like a preschool series before then. So we just went from that <laughs> to like full, full-blown horror. And it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense like from a musician point of view. Right. But that's kind of like, I think my career is, Kind of been like that. We just leapfrog here and there, um, and and ha- like we happen to be pretty decent at doing exactly that, um, and it prevents us from being pigeonholed, right? So right. it's like it, it's like senseless, but it's awesome. You know, I'm pretty grateful for that. Keeps you it. on
1: your toes, man, because you're jumping from like animation toddlers to like ho- deep horror yeah. stuff, man.
3: Yeah, yeah. So it's like for, for a month, uh, my my son could come and like hang out with me when <laughs> I work. And then, like, right after that show, i like, ah, you can't be in here anymore. Like, it's going to be <laughs> like, so You got to be out of there. Um, so I ended up working later and later just to avoid uh, him, like, strolling in when, like, people are getting slashed up. You know? Oh, my yeah.
1: God. That's so cute. <laughs>
3: and, right? but, yeah, I, 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 like, we enjoy that process. We we enjoy being um, anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I think from here, let's let's do water association from here. Yeah, let's do it. Okay.
3: All um, right.
2: You, do uh, I have
3: you, you, you some too, or is this just purely on me?
2: Ooh, if you, if you want to give us some words uh, and throw it back to doing. us, that, that, that might be, like, pretty fun at the end. Um, like, yeah, go, go with some off the top of your head. I mean, like, we yeah. Lucas and I have, like, a different approach to this 10-word uh, uh, word association game that we play with all of our guests as kind of like a palate cleanser at the end of the, the podcast. Um, whereas like I have 10 words that I just, I always say, uh, throughout the series, uh, and Lucas always likes to come up with different words with, uh, more curated towards the guest. So like we have a different approach towards it. Um, yeah. but if you, if you're, if you're up for like just throwing words to us at the end, like, Hey, like we're, we're game for that as well.
3: Right. Um, well, yeah. I not a great improviser, but, uh, I'll see if I come up with something cool
2: yeah for sure um but yeah like i can start with uh, my 10 words um and then like basically the game is uh we'll have our words after each word clear your head um like empty it and then say the first word or like idea or like phrase or like something that in- inspires you out of each of our words and then we just go from
3: there all right why do i feel a bit nervous <laughs>
2: yeah because you don't know because everybody's nervous because if they don't know what they're about to say that there's always a little jittery uh, element to it that just keeps yeah. you keeps you focused
3: yeah that's why like everything i do i like pre-write that's why i'm a composer yeah. for exactly the pre-
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you <laughs> gotta com- you gotta compose on the spot right now you gotta compose on the all spot right, right now right. uh okay yes. all right so i'll start off we're gonna empty our minds Ready for the first word is childhood. Music. Banana.
3: My daughter, she just had a banana today. Son. My son.
2: Solitude.
3: Ooh, solitude. I would say peace.
2: Goal. Like
3: G-O-A-L? Yeah. Goal. Um, soccer. River. Also music. Circle. Uh, philosophy.
2: Kumquat.
3: Oh, delicious. That's that I can't be the same. I can't have been the first person to say that. I'm sure other people have said that, right?
2: I think you are the first person because most people have no idea what a kumquat is. Like we've always oh, gotten is like, it's either is like, I don't know what a kumquat is or is like, that sounds dirty, but it's like, I think you're the first one who's like actually given a description of like yeah. your relationship with kumquats.
3: Oh, that's, that goes deep too. That goes back to childhood. I'm gonna circle, circle this all together.
2: Nice. Nice. Next word. Winning. Winning. Kobe. And last word, finished. Jesus. Oh, oh, bringing back, yeah. it back to bringing it back to Jesus. Always nice there. Uh, oh, great, great. So that's the first ten words from me, Lucas.
1: All right. You feel good, Caleb?
3: I feel good. Um, I'm just thinking about complex now. Like I, I kind of want a, a few. <laughs> you can't eat one. Like I've never heard of anybody that's eaten just one kumquat. You got to have like, uh, like five. I think that's a baseline of having kumquats.
1: Dude, that's like a long an, man. You can't just eat one.
3: <laughs> you can't just eat one. Yeah.
1: yeah. She's silly. Uh, all right. I'm good right. to go. Sweet. Okay. First word of 10. Brother.
3: Brother? Brian? Upbringing. Upbringing. Uh. Grateful. Family. Chan. Hmm.
1: Collaborate.
3: Collaborate. Uh, ooh, collaborate. I want to say, I think I had two things just like I had easy and hard at the same time. I don't know which one to I say. Know. I want to say them both. Okay.
1: Interesting. Easy and hard. Okay. Because it's yeah,
3: yeah. Dichotomous. I had them both kind of just like come. I was like, oh shoot, which one came first? I was trying to assess. Right. But I couldn't. So um I was kind of throwing them both out there. I think they're both valid. Nice. Score. Score. Uh this one's also both came at the same time because I, I thought about music, but then I also thought about basketball. Nice. because um, I, I just lost to a, a fantasy season so I'm thinking about that a lot uh, recently but
1: Uh, Theory
3: Theory Music Church Uh, People Solo Han
1: Neoclassical
3: Neoclassical and this one is I can't find that exact uh, category when I'm trying to uh, distribute our album on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) So frustration with that one, because I don't know where where that category went uh, when we're trying to distribute it, but um, yeah.
1: And the last word, Caleb.
3: Oh, that's just me. Uh, Nothing else to say about me
1: nice um, yeah that's
3: awesome well those are good words uh i think I, i'd probably double down on music one too many times um
2: hey i mean music is your life you gotta you gotta use it
3: well i mean it, it's a part of my life i wouldn't say it's my whole life so that's a, that's oh. the distance part that helps me stay afloat um nice. and
2: uh, balance balance off balance. Of, uh, yeah because if you get true because like if you're an artist and you get too deep into it and like you just like not let everything else go off to the side then like you can get into a a pretty tough situation there
3: yeah i mean i I married a a non-musician and she reminds me uh you know very practically that you know maybe maybe some distance is is a good thing sometimes Mm. and i yeah i really believe that now uh let me let me throw i I just got two words for you guys all right okay Um, cool okay yellow
2: Ooh, this one, I'll, I'll take it first. Yeah, definitely the Mandarin version cover of "Yellow" from Crazy Rich Asians.
0: <laughs>
3: like the Coplay song, the Mandarin version of that. Yeah, but
2: the Mandarin version because that I love. That one? I forgot it. It was definitely I uh, I. You know what? It's 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 kind of shameful that I, I didn't commit that to memory, but I I, I can't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure if I looked it up, but like, I definitely not only do I like thought that that was such a beautiful rendition, but it's like, it was, it was so unique because like I could understand the, the some of the terms or enough Mm. of the terms. Whereas like, I could see the, the lyrical uh, comparisons with the original song, but then also just being able to hear something that's so ingrained in like Western pop culture and Coldplay and like, um, uh, and then to hear that coming out in Mandarin was, was such a unique, unique thing. And, and not only that, it was a perfect like ending song to an entire film that I didn't even realize it until like a couple songs in that the whole thing is in Mandarin. Like all the the score, yeah. all the music of it is all Mandarin. There isn't a single word of English really in the entire movie for yeah. the, the score. Um, so when you say yellow is like, yeah, I think that's the first thing I, I thought uh, I would always revert back to.
3: That's interesting.
1: That's yeah. cool um, I don't want to be too egocentric, but I thought of myself <laughs> as being yellow.
3: Hey,
2: we're we're all we're all we're all yellow here. We're all yellow here, my friend. This is a safe yellow circle.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as and you talk, like literally zoom, <laughs> like, zoom, around your face. It's yeah, zoom, like, yeah.
2: Zoom's, okay. zooms yeah. being a little racist right now. Just uh, <laughs> letting us know what we are, who we are. Yeah.
3: Okay, that's good. Uh, I got another one. Uh, water.
1: Yo. Um. Again, th- I'm not sure if you brought this up just because we're chatting right now, but that's that's the track that you and I recorded.
3: That is that the name? That's the name. Oh man. Yeah. I, well, I I don't remember all the names all the time, but that's the name, huh? I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, that's
1: uncanny, Keel. Did that just come to your head?
3: Well, I'm also drinking water, so I think that I probably like the everything just aligned at that moment.
2: Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Do you feel that? Do you feel? Do you feel I'm that? Waiting. Yeah, artistic uh, circle closing there. A lot. A lot of circles we're we're talking about passing the and present.
3: vibrating, vibrating yeah. at the right frequency. That's what we're doing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. What do you think of Josh? For me, I don't know why. I guess is like I'm really on this whole like gung-ho Asian representation thing going on but like when you say water like a lot of the quotes I've been thinking about lately is like Bruce Lee's be like water oh yeah yeah. and like I I like I saw the documentary that came out uh, like that's named be like water like be water or something like that and it's like I never n- learned as much about Bruce Lee until like really looking into that documentary and seeing his his life story a bit more um, that I was like whoa this man the potential that this man could have brought to the asian community and like western society it would have been like it would have been groundbreaking it would have changed all of our lives i think if he kept going and he kept becoming like a hollywood superstar like all of our stereotypes of what like not only like asian men would be like would be different completely different i think yeah
3: what was he like 36 when he passed or something like was he in the 30s i don't think he even made it to his 40s
2: I I can't remember. It was he was definitely not he's definitely not an old, old dude. He was he was like pretty. I feel like he was right on the cusp of like really entering like another level. Yeah, I feel like because oh that's what it was. It's like he died right when Enter the Dragon was gonna was gonna oh, come nice. out, and it, like when Enter the Dragon got released, he 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 already was like uh, he already passed away. So it was like yeah, it's like if he kept going or something like that, like then. It would have it was like enter enter the dragon wasn't it
3: yeah I can't remember the exact age he was but I feel like it's under 40 like for sure yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. definitely under 40 definitely uh, under 40
3: yeah like that that's that's interesting that that goes through like a whole metaphorical concept of approaching art too, and life in general I don't know if yeah. you guys have that too, because like, I think as a creative, it's, like having this singular type of um, metaphor that you you kind of embody and spin out creatively Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing to kind of hold that together and i don't know how you would even conceptualize that from like an acting or or like comedy standpoint
1: Um, yeah well it is more about the fluidity in terms of acting that you know is is related in water and just the many roles that you have to take on and and how malleable you really can be sure yeah and i just saw bruce lee did pass away at 33
3: 33. 33 oh man that's like that's all right
1: huh? yeah i'm 33 now it's crazy
3: yeah oh,
1: man um caleb do you have anything to plug and first off thank you so much for doing this podcast absolutely. oh yeah absolutely
3: um, for sure it's super fun uh, i don't like i said i don't i'm not a big fan of plugging myself um i know the sound of the pause uh but uh i guess like we're working on some stuff right now um more in the animation world that they'll, they'll they'll be out in netflix um yeah. In they don't tell me anything. So if I say twenty twenty one, I could be wrong. It could be twenty twenty two. But I think originally some of it was gonna start airing in twenty twenty one. Um can't believe we're in May of this year already. I know. Jeez. Um, oh, yeah. I mean I like ryan and I like with the Haze thing that the project that we had started during pandemic, um, we what we did was uh we set up a band camp, um as anybody would, um and then all all proceeds from that um, Went to kind of helping um, COVID efforts uh, back back last year, Um, and and we're hoping to still release that album uh, for streaming platforms. It's been like over a year now, and we're just we've just been so busy and couldn't find that neoclassical uh, (laughs) category (laughs) anywhere. So we've just like we've literally just been stuck on that um, and and kind of haven't given it too much thought. Uh, But that's something that I think uh, I'd be more proud of on an artistic level uh, that kind of is, is, is separated from, from the scoring work that I do. Um, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's up on Bandcamp, um, and you can still pay what you can. And, uh, and, and maybe, yeah, I don't even keep track now. Maybe we'll, we'll continue to donate that money to whatever is needed. But, but yeah, it's, yeah, that's kind of the, the journeys that I've been on. Um, you know, keeps me busy. keeps me really busy. In fact, almost too busy, but, uh, but I'm really grateful for those. Um, yeah. I yeah, you and, and congrats, congrats uh, to you Josh on your uh, your special coming up. That's that's pretty massive. Like thank,
2: thank you. Like, yeah.
3: That's
2: uh Well, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's definitely a special set. I wouldn't say it's like a full special like a 50 minute something uh uh I definitely didn't have enough material for that. But it's like a a, a nice 6 minute Uh, special set that, that I, uh, it's out on YouTube right now. And like, definitely Caleb, like check it out. Um, I am really interested in in, uh, listening more about like your ambient album, uh, ambient uh, music album, because as you were talking about it, I was like thinking, like, wait a second, soothing music. I have a podcast that that is called sleep with Josh, where it's just me reading you know, like really boring, mundane stuff, like the dictionary and laws and and stuff like that. So like, I have that I've got a bunch of episodes on there, but I've been only using one track for like, the the kind of the background music. And now that you mentioned, like, you've got a whole album of different ambient music out there. It's like, Oh, interesting. Maybe I'll take a look at that and see if like, see if uh, that might make sense to put in my podcast.
3: That's a, well. Hey, but you know, if 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 you're if the goal is to sleep with Josh, the one track thing, like the the repetition of that, that could be very powerful too. You know, you right. just loop the same track. Like I could fall into a a, a deep trance just doing that.
2: Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's
3: something very ritualistic about you know having the same thing over and over again. Um, for
2: sure, for sure. And as like if anything it, it I could turn into like different series, you know, like series one is like one one track and then maybe series two is like a different track and and stuff like that. but it is it is interesting like to hear um, like that kind of, because I remember when I was searching for a, a track for a good instrumental track, like I kept having a problem trying to find one that matched what I wanted. and it was like maybe maybe yours will give me some uh, some options in the yeah. future.
3: All right, man. Yeah, hey, check it out. I mean, we, I, I test drove that album uh, putting myself to sleep. So I think it, it sort of worked. Nice. Uh, not that I have any sleeping issues. I, I think I sleep too easily. I think that might be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, see, it seems so. It seems so. Uh, well, nice.
1: Uh, what are your handles, Caleb? How can people find you?
3: Um, yeah, handle, social media. Uh, I'm not super active. I'm uh, <laughs> mostly there to like other people's things. Um, but you can hit me, I guess, on Instagram, um, Caleb Chan Music, like the boringest, most uh, obvious handle, uh, but it, it works. Um, nice. So, yeah, I'm on there. And I don't even know. I, I'm kind of on Twitter. but Forget about Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Like, nice. you know, I have Twitter, but I'm not on it. You know, that's just, yeah, Instagram is probably the best place to, to get me. Um, you know,
1: Caleb Chan Music gets right to the point. Josh's yeah. Josh Gang comedy, so it
3: it, yeah. it kind of
1: works. It,
2: yeah. It's all about those uh, search search tags. That's that's what it's up.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess I don't have like an amount like a, a crazy amount of followers, so maybe it doesn't work. Maybe people are searching something else. <laughs> Caleb Chan, uh, no, they wouldn't be searching anything else. They wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that, you can get me up on those things. Um, I, I yeah, I'll try to keep up to date, um, but cool. don't post often now. Yeah, appreciate
1: you guys having me on. It's fun being here, it's awesome. Uh, Josh, I think I already gave it out for you, but uh, where can people find you?
2: Sure, it's uh, Josh at Josh and Comedy across everything. And like, as I mentioned, we got the Sleep with Josh podcast, um, that's out there, so go check it out. I gotta do way more episodes, I've been really bad. I've only done like one new episode each month for the last couple months, <gasps> so I gotta really put I got, I'm i gonna put out a chi- an Asian Heritage Month episode where I read, um, you know, the Mandarin, uh, the classical text is like, san zi jing, the, that classical text, it's it's a whole thing. I'm going to read that in Mandarin and I'm going to read the English translation. So it'll be the first time I actually do a Sleep with Josh episode in Mandarin. So I think that might be an interesting addition. It It's like also to pay homage to Chloe Zhao for like straight up being a badass and like quoting the, the, the San zi Jing* in her acceptance speech. I thought that was badass. Oh,
3: right, if, or you can read from Art of War, if, uh, if you've got oh, that. If that's also,
2: got. yeah, that's also, I took a look at that as well. And it's like, that's, there, there's so much, that's a big thick, that's a pretty thick book in terms of like the amount of characters that I think about it. That'll definitely have to be an ongoing thing. But I think uh, the three character poem or text classic, I can do in like in one episodes, but yeah, it's uh, check that out in the future with, hopefully it's out by the time you listen, we release this, but, um, but yeah, check that out with the sleep with Josh podcast. And Hey, Lucas, what
1: are your handles? Uh, everyone can find me across social media at Lucas, John Ng. And if you like, and see what you hear, follow us at HWMIY podcast on Instagram. And if you like what you want to see, you can also find us on YouTube. So wherever you listen to your podcast we are there but if you want the good video content we are also on youtube um give it up for caleb one more time thank you so much brother thank you
3: i was gonna point to like your subscribe button but i don't know which way it's gonna be Um, you guys have an editor that that puts one of those things up for you
2: i mean i kind of i kind of put it like either either left or right either either one you choose is like once we do our we'll we'll say goodbye and just point in one direction
1: i'll put it there all right this way perfect Thank you so much, guys. See you later.
3: All
0: right, ciao.